0: Gosh, I feel like I've been here before, but I haven't. <laughs> but that's what happens when you get old. You, you can't remember where you've been. Um, but Nancy and I, uh, we have been friends of Chris and Phyllis uh, for years and years and years. I don't know how many, like maybe 35 years. And um, I know they've come and visited the Boise Vineyard, and, and, um, and just they go around and glean where they can. I, you know, but we, we've had some great experiences and, and adventures with them through the years. As they've been, I think they're, sometimes I'm in meetings and I'm like, I realize I'm the oldest guy in the room that, you know, fr- from the vineyard and it's like from the very early days. And Chris was like that. Chris and Phyllis were like that as well. So we've been friends for, for many, many years. The one time they came and visited Nancy and I and, on the ranch and um, it's a pretty wild place. I mean, we live in a a kind of a remote ranch up in the hills of Idaho, and uh, we try to grow um, most of our own food and by raising cattle and sheep and having a garden and orchard and all that. And and uh, so they were staying with us. We have some uh, guest quarters upstairs, and uh, they were up there. And I, I remember it was like a Saturday night. I said to Chris, I, you know, are you do you need a wake up call, you know, for tomorrow because uh, church is in the morning and. You know, which we had it's an hour drive to the city, and, and he says, oh, no, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. I say, okay. So I, I get up in the morning. It's very early because, you know, life on the ranch and uh, having to feed everything. And, and so I'm uh, before church, and I'm sitting in the living room waiting. I hear no sounds upstairs at all. And I'm a little concerned because I'm watching my watch, and I'm looking out the window, and all of a sudden I see a, a big coyote trot by with a chicken in his mouth which totally f- infuriates me, you know. I don't mind the coyotes, but I don't like them with chickens in their mouth. And uh, I run upstairs, not thinking about Chris and Phyllis, and I grab the, uh, uh, an old saddle rifle, like an old Winchester. You've seen them in movies, you know. Well, uh, and I'm jamming shells into this thing and throw open the window upstairs, you know, and, and um, it's not in Chris's room, It's like, but it's the adjoining room, and they start blasting out the window at this coyote that's running across the field 200 yards away. I don't know what that is in matrix, but it's a ways It's too far for me to hit. But the, he drops the chicken, and, uh, and, I'm, and there's shells in the room and smoke, and Chris walks out in his bathrobe, and he goes, excuse me, was that my wake-up call? <laughs> so he got accustomed to the, the Old West. You know, um, Nancy and I have been retired as they're retiring, um, but we are a little ahead of them. We've pretty much totally ranchers now. Yeah, but on the other hand, you see me here this morning. I'm not totally retired, trying to stay in the saddle, so to speak. And uh, and you know, we've ministered, gosh, around the world through all the years. We've been great, incredible privilege of. Seeing so much of the world through the eyes of Jesus, and uh, mostly in the really poverty-stricken parts of the world in the developing world, but also in the UK and in Ireland and different places. And one of the things that we've always noticed is that, uh, and it's, it's so rich. You know, we we think of something in the United States as being old when it's a hundred years old. You know, and then we come here, and uh, we see true. You know real deep, rich heritage and and um, one of the things we all, I always love to see in sometimes in very remote places is these old prayer chapels that are old, some of them are thousand years old, standing out on these rocky areas or hills or like sometimes they 're by castles or in in, um, in or connected with a, a some uh, estate or manor and um I always thought, wow, you know, it would be so cool to have a personal prayer chapel, and in the Celtic um, uh, world, you know, they they said that there were thin places, and um, that that is that a place that is is just kind of a a special place where people would go that seems a little thinner between heaven and earth, where it's easier to hear hear the Lord and and. At different times in human history, there's moments where there just seems to be a little more of an urgency to hear the Lord and say, Lord, what are you up to? And I believe that we're living in a time like that. I know in the United States, and I believe here as well, we're living in a real-time moment of political crisis, I think, and cultural crisis as we're looking at a world that is in trouble. And there's choices to be made when we're looking at a world that's migrating and moving because of wars and violence and and weather. And it's a time for the church to stop a minute instead of being caught up in all the noise and the voices and the fear and the confusion and what I would call cultural disjuncture the undoing of culture, where everything's in flux and change, and people are responding to the fear and the crisis and, the, and the, the changes, sometimes in good ways and sometimes in bad ways, and say, Lord, what are you up to? And in the context of building this, uh, you know, it's been kind of a miraculous thing. I thought at first it would just be kind of a fun project to do up on the hill above the ranch in this kind of bare hill. Nancy and I went up there, and we, we um, were asking the Lord where to build this thing, and there was, right where we wanted to build it, there was this big rock, which was a nuisance, an annoyance, because it was like right in the wrong place. And so I said, well, we should pray about this, or probably, actually, Nancy said that. It's more, probably more accurate. And um so we prayed, and in the in the context of that prayer, the Lord just reminded me that He was the cornerstone of His church. And so we, we go. This rock is not in the wrong place; it's exactly in the right place. And built it into the foundation of the chapel that we were going to build. We went, and for for weeks, and mo- even several couple months. It's been this. We started this in last about last June, and uh, collecting rocks and quarries around the. Country and coming back and started building up these walls together. And once my my family periodically would come, my granddaughter would come. Um, my granddaughter's name's Hope, and she came and uh, she she got the hang of masonry and helped me and kept me in mortar while we were stacking rocks and um, and and it, uh, just kind of got caught in in the whole architecture of it, building arches, which I had never done before, and the windows and the doors, and finally putting the steeple on the roof, and uh, Nancy there is, um, she's sort of laughing, like, you're going to kill yourself, <laughs> yeah, fall off that roof. And one of the things uh, that, I, in the midst of building it, I realized, I, you know, the Lord was starting to speak to me, starting to really communicate and I'd be up there sometimes all day long just mixing cement and stacking rocks and just menial work and asking the Lord about the condition of our country and and the people and where it was going and and the Lord r- reminded me not to get caught up at one point in the you know in in all the noise but to think upon his things and there's a passage in Philippians 4, and talks about what to think upon. Think upon what's right and righteous and noble. Think upon godly things, that you might get your head clear in this moment and know what to do about a time like this. In the Old Testament, there were some mighty men, the sons of Ezekiel, David's mighty men, and it said that the reason that they were mighty men was because they, they. They saw the culture that they were in, and they understood it, and they knew what to do about it. And I go, I need to know what to do about it, Lord, because all of this looks bad at this point. And the Lord says, but think upon these things. Well, the chapel, at least the outside of the chapel was finished, and and just a few days ago, before we came here, uh, Nancy and I went up there just to just to visit it as the sun was going down. And it wasn't really even a stormy day or evening. And out of the clear kind of blue, this beautiful rainbow uh, formed over the top of the chapel, reminding us that, of the promise of God, that he would be there no matter what the world was, the condition of the world and the condition of things, that he would be there if we kept our eyes on him. And walked this out with him. He would show us what to do. One of the things he said to me very clearly was to, in the context of this, that this in this chapel he wanted me to return to the thing that I did and the the feelings I felt in, the, you know, when I first came to him. Return to the thing that you did at first. And re grasp those things and not the p- politics, not all the noise, not all the, you know, all of the other stuff that goes and seems to intermingle with our Christianity is to lay all that aside. All those things that are really in, uh, in our country, and I believe a bit in your country, is bringing great division division in our culture. People can't even talk to each other about pol- pol- political issues because it's really deeper than politics. It really goes back to deep ideology on what we really believe and what we really want. It's, it's driven families apart and even marriages because these things are starting to become a, exposed in the midst of the conflict. Just a few weeks ago, you know, the UN came up with this report on climate change. I know probably you're aware of it, many of you. I heard about it on the BBC. It's, and how that the, the edge of the cliff that we thought was a long ways out, first 100 years and then 50, and now they're saying that, that, that cliff is 20 years away, that's my baby granddaughter is gonna be entering university. I mean, this is, not, it's, it's, this, this is affecting now my children and my grandchildren, and it's like, Lord, you know, how do I act? How do I respond to that? Because at least in our country, we have an administration that doesn't even believe in climate change. And so the future looks a little grim for the possibility that we could turn that around But the Lord reminded me not to get caught up, but to be a Christian in the midst of the storm because He moves most powerfully during times of darkness and confusion. He always has. Every great revival the earth has known has been in times like this where there is major cultural disjuncture. I want to take you this morning, and I. I want to say this as I, as I do this. Is like I, I'm really preaching to myself this morning. So if you want to listen, you can. But I think this is for, all, for everyone. I know it's for me. Because the Lord says, you know, think upon these things. Don't forget who I am. Don't forget what I'm doing. Don't forget who you are. Don't forget how you should respond and how you should act at a time like this. This isn't a time to isolate. This is not a time to push away. It's a time to be the church more than any time, to open your arms, to embrace the lost and the broken and the immigrant, to feed the hungry, to give water to the thirsty, as we sang this morning. I want to take you quickly through a passage in, in 1 Peter. Just as a point of context for, for this discussion. I'm gonna start in chapter one, verse 13. Peter says this, he says, Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you, uh, uh, on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed as his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires, and I might say even the fears you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as you, who uh, just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, "Be holy, because I am holy." If there's ever a time to be Christ-like. And to look to him and to embrace his character, you know, his ethics, his ways into our life. It's right now. And not to forever forget who we are. We see it in the... In the uh, Fruits of the Spirit in Galatians 5, he tells us that the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Things that we aren't seeing a lot of in the context of all of these discussions and conversations that the human race is having right now. But that's what we're called to, to Christ's likeness that we will be agents of love, agents of joy, agents of peace, and patience, and kindness, and goodness, and faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear, for you know that Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from your heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and the enduring word of God. You know, Peter here, he's, he's saying, you know, we're all immigrants, that we're all living as foreigners, you know. Uh, we're all migrants. We're all on this earth for a short time, passing through. And live your life in such a way, like, not with entitlement. It's not a time to build bridges. It's, I mean, walls. It's a time to build bridges. That's, it's a time to embrace a world that's suffering, not hold them out. You know, that when I was born, there was less than two and a half billion people on this planet. And I know you probably think I'm like 30 or something, but I'm a little older. But you know, we're pushing eight billion people on this planet. It's not gonna, it's, you know, we're not going back. It's It's a different world. And this is a time to be Authentic Christian people to embrace the crisis that, that that that's before us, really, in love and in patience. And he says, you know, this uh, about this issue of truth, not to be um, focused on imperishable things, but but um, not perishable things, but imperishable. Like that is the, the fact that you know this life is. You know, we have to have an eternal view. We have to remember that, that the, the big picture, not the, the day-to-day picture, but this big picture that God you know, has a great plan. He's not surprised about all the things that are, are going on around us, but he has a plan in the midst of it, and he's looking for a people to carry out that plan. He tells us to live. This We're living in the last days. I, I look at I look at the dissertation of last days in, in Matthew 25, and I'm going, wow, you know, those things seem to be all around us right now. But even if it's not, I'm 70, so it's, I'm, I'm entering my last days, so I better live, live like it. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like flower in the field. The grass withers, and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Therefore, rid yourself of all malice, and all deceit, and hypocrisy, and envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Peter's reminding us that life is temporal. You know, it comes and it goes. We're like grass and and we're passing through. And in this time of passing through, that, you know, that there is no one in this room that's an accident. There is no life that's an accident. If you're walking on this earth, you're here because it was intended that you would. Not just that you would, but that you would do it right now, in this moment in human history, that you are here and you're here for a purpose. I always say there's really three things as a human being that's critical. The first is to know the one that created you, consecrate your life to him, give your life to him, and say, yes, Lord, I'm yours. Number two, find out what his good, perfect, pleasing will for your life is. Like, Lord, why am I here? You know, and maybe we have to find a thin place to ask the question. That could be in your shower. It doesn't have to be in a remote chapel. But wherever that is, that we have to be intentional and say, Lord, what's the purpose? Why have you put me on the earth and why have you put me here now? And finally... Through the context of that, the answer to that question, his good, perfect, pleasing will for your life, you take and look in Romans 12. You'll see it all laid out where you now come and you take the gifting that you have been given, the thing that's been making you unique as a human being and taking that thing and then using it for the rest of your life for the purpose of the kingdom of God. Don't just exist in fear of what the future brings, but participate with God in the moment. And I want to tell you that the future of the church, if you ask me prophetically, what's the future of the church, what's the responsibility of the church, I'll tell you this, it's in three words, compassion, justice, and mercy. Being an agent that would provide with a heart of compassion would provide mercy and fight against injustice in a moment like this. With the specific gifting and talents that God's given you that you invest them well and you spend them well. That's the key to the hope. And the church is the hope of the hour that we live. If it will rise up altogether and attack these things, And not be an agency of fear, but an agency of peace and hope to a people that need it so desperately. The Lord said, you know, think upon these things. Try to get, get your head out of all of the craziness and think upon these things. Finally, brothers and sisters, Paul said... Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on those things. I find myself thinking about the opposite. Think about such things. And whatever you have learned or received from me or seen in me, put these things into practice. So think upon these things and put them into practice with your life at this time. Be an expression of grace in this season of trial. Whatever is true, that is absolute truth. There's this thing these days that talk, where people are saying, well, tr- there really is no truth. You know, truth is relative. Like, what's true for you might not be true for me. You kind of have your truth and I have my truth. So you have your truth, I have my truth. But if that's true, there is no truth. <laughs> the Bible tells us that there is absolute truth. And Paul says, think upon that. What is biblical absolute truth? And remember that truth. What's noble, that is, what's decent, and to respond with dignity even when you've been insulted. Be gracious when you've been attacked. What's right, what's just, what's ethical, what's pure, that is, untainted wholesomeness. What's lovely, that is, loving, godly. Admirable, what's commendable and righteous, what's excellent and praiseworthy—those things. Let that control your mind, and then your actions. In a time like this, you know it's—it's it's been rich being here because Heather just gave us a quick tour of, the, of your facilities here before church this morning, and I'd heard about you, but I—you know—is a, a picture's worth a thousand words and to walk through your benevolent center where you meet people day after day after day who who need you desperately i mean it's admirable it's worthy it's all of this it's the future it's the hope because i'm telling you we might be not be able to change the world but we can be the light in it and we can make the difference in a moment like this, as we think eternally and act eternally with the gifting God's given us, you're a great church. and uh, it's a privilege to see it and meet it and meet you and know that there is a place like this in the heart of London, near England, and there's many others. As we've come here to visit other churches that are doing similar things. And I, I'm just, I, I, I don't know, it's just like the one thing I would say is don't let others do it, jump in and participate yourself.